0: Who doesn't love a good story? If you're like me, you probably find yourself binge watching your favorite show because you can't wait to see what happens next. Or what about when you get caught up in a great book that you can't seem to put down until you find out how the story ends. TV series have episodes and books have chapters, but it all comes together to make a complete story. But when it comes to the Bible, we read it as though it has 66 separate books when the author intended it to be a continuous narrative. A narrative of his beautiful promises, unmatched faithfulness, and unwavering character. Today on Bloom, we're going to take a closer Middle Eastern look on how to read God's word and discover how it is not meant to just be picked apart, but meant to come together as the best story ever written. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for May 14th, 2021. Welcome to Bloom, this is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. So we're finishing our two-part series called A Middle Eastern Lens for the Western World. If you missed part one, you can check it out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, as well as listen to other previous content. Don't forget to click follow so you can stay updated on the latest episodes when they drop. This message, A Middle Eastern Lens for the Western World, was inspired by a Bible study from Christy McClellan called Jesus and Women. And it's also a bit of a foretaste of our spring men's and women's conference called Encounter, happening on Saturday, May 22nd at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights. The women's portion will be from 3 to 5 p.m., with time for fellowship afterwards. Global grounds will be open in case you're wondering, so you can pick up your favorite beverage. We're going to have some time for worship and hear four short teachings on four women of the Bible and how we see God's character displayed in their story. And then the men's portion will follow from 6 to 8 p.m. If you're interested, you can check out the details on our website. It's gracecma.org. To make it easy for yourself, just type Encounter in the search bar to access more information and to register for this free event. You are not going to want to miss it. So in part one of this series, we dove into how we Westerners approach scripture with the concept of acquiring knowledge, where the Middle Eastern culture reads God's word with a posture to be fed, to savor what God is saying, to take it in, to digest the message and allow it to fuel their faith. We also spoke about idioms, common sayings and phrases that are familiar to our culture and the importance to understanding these idioms, as well as cultural, historical, and geographical context when reading the Bible. We must remember the Bible was written in a completely different setting in a completely different time. So moving forward today in our journey to approach the word through a Middle Eastern lens, we're going to talk about the cultural contrast of systems versus stories. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit more in a minute what I mean about that. So when I was little, I loved listening to stories. Whenever my brother or I had friends stay the night, my mom would tell us bedtime stories of my brother Jason, who we called J-Bob, the detective, Still not sure to this day where the name J-Bob came from, but I'm pretty sure my brother would be so thrilled that I'm sharing this with you. I still call him that from time to time, even though he's a grown man of almost 40. (laughs) But it's a license I get to have, I suppose, for being his sister. And then there was me, Jennifer, the ballerina. And I somehow always ended up being the damsel in distress who would get herself into trouble and need to be rescued. And then my mom, of course, would also create special identities for our guests as well. And I just loved the stories that she would come up with. She would always be so creative, and I would always would look forward to see how things would end. And growing up with these kind of memories, it made me see the world through stories instead of systems. So let's talk about stories versus systems and how they affect our approach to the Bible. By one of its definitions, a system is a set of principles or procedures according to which something is done, an organized framework or method. In our Western world, we place a heavy focus on systems. We have school systems, political systems, class systems, and economic systems. Throughout all these systems, we make determinations on how something should be done, how curriculum should be taught in our schools, how our leaders should govern our country. And ultimately, we mold our principal beliefs on the framework of that given system. Now, because systems are so engrossed in our culture, systems have naturally leaked into our churches and even our doctrine. Now, systems aren't a bad thing. Please understand that. God established systems, too. Just consider the intricate design of our bodies, which contain numerous physiological systems required for us to function. But the flaw in being system-minded when it comes to our approach to the word is that we tend to funnel our interpretations to fit our personal framework, our systemic way of thinking, without considering the story in its entirety. So rather than view scripture as a whole, we pick it apart and analyze it in small pieces. To analyze means to examine methodically and in detail, the constitution or structure of information, typically for the purpose of explanation and interpretation. Now, interesting language in this definition. It reminds me very much of systems. Again, this is not a bad thing to break down and unpack what a given text is saying, but if we fail to then take the text and view it within the greater narrative of the Bible, we might fall subject to a narrow-minded interpretation of what it's saying. Now, because I think if we were to take an honest look, we would discover that more often than not, we tend to mold Scripture around our lives instead of molding our lives around Scripture. The Middle Eastern take on Scripture is not to pull it apart and analyze its pieces. Instead, the cultural approach is to synthesize the word. Find out how each piece connects to see the bigger picture. In contrast to analyze, synthesize means to combine a number of things into a coherent whole. The Bible may have 66 different books, but they all fit together to create one incredible story. A story that reveals God's unchanging character, tells of his divine promises, and the eternal hope that we have in Christ. Imagine you're working on a puzzle, and I've never been much of a puzzle person, especially the huge canvas-looking puzzles. I'm picturing the ones that have an image containing a lot of the same color, like a picture of a forest. So there's like 500 pieces of nothing but green leaves. Like that is so frustrating to me. I struggle finding the sense of enjoyment that people get from them. But I sometimes picture a puzzle when I think of God's word, not because it's something for us to solve necessarily, but more in relation of how 66 pieces fit together to display a grand picture, a grand story. If we always focus on just one puzzle piece, one passage, one story within scripture, without putting it together, we won't catch the big picture. Craig S. Keener, author of Gift and Giver, The Holy Spirit for Today, once wrote, The fact that our traditional method of extracting doctrine from Scripture does not work well on narrative does not mean the Bible stories do not send clear messages. Instead, it suggests that the way we apply our traditional method of interpretation is inadequate because we are ignoring too much of God's Word. Can we extract a verse and unpack it with what it's saying and how it applies to our lives today? Yes, we can do that. But we also need to see the passage in light of the biblical canon, how that piece fits within the biblical narrative as a whole, just as a puzzle piece fits into the picture. And you might be wondering why synthesizing scripture matters so much. So remember back when I said our system-minded approach could cause us to interpret scripture in a narrow lens? A lens bent toward our own personal framework of thinking. As I said, we are prone to mold scripture to fit our lives than we mold ourselves to what scripture is saying. We can't just take a piece of the puzzle to fit into our specific situation without considering how that piece plays a role in the greater illustration. And I think arguably one of the most notoriously misinterpreted passages within the word is Jeremiah 29 11, which says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future this verse is often plastered on our Instagram story with a pretty background it's been a bumper sticker it's framed and hung in our entryway it may even be tattooed somewhere on your body We love this prosperous message and tone of unshakable hope in God's plan for our lives. But if we just extract this verse and isolate it without bothering to consider any of its context within the whole narrative, we might think that this is a promise from God that we will always prosper. That life will be free from disappointment, discouragement, setbacks, heartache, and loss. God wants me to prosper I won't experience having to live paycheck to paycheck. God wants me to prosper. I will never deal with the betrayal from a spouse. God wants me to prosper. I won't know what it's like to walk through the extreme grief of losing someone I love. If we pull back the magnifying glass for a moment, we actually learn the full and beautiful scope behind Jeremiah's prophetic words. And it's not a story of misplaced hope and prosperity, as we would imagine, but the story of the hope we have in a person. Babylon and the kingdom of Judah had been in conflict for several years, resulting in the Babylonian Empire conquering Jerusalem, destroying the temple, and carrying off the Israelites into slavery. Jeremiah was speaking this message of hope to the Jews who were exiled in Babylon. It was a message reminding God's people that he is faithful. He's a covenant-keeping God who promised Abraham that his descendants would be blessed. So even when they mess up and go astray, he would not forget or fail to hold his end of the bargain. Ultimately, the hope and future Jeremiah was foretelling was the coming of the promised Messiah, Jesus. The one who brought us everlasting hope in a forever future, it's a piece that fits within the greater story of God's plan for salvation. Now, I will say there are times when God uses his word for specific messages of encouragement, conviction, or promise, but it always fits within the greater narrative of what he wants us to see. I had a friend who had a son born with a rare heart defect. He was going to need several surgeries with his first open heart surgery by the age of only six weeks old. Him and his wife were completely beside themselves. They met with multiple specialists, surgeons, and hospitals to determine what was needed to save their son. They decided to take their sweet newborn to a hospital in Cincinnati to perform the high-risk operation. There was a great deal of unknown here. The evening after the Hearing the news, I felt God nudge me to send them a card of encouragement, just letting them know I was praying for them. He had some religious background, but had not committed his life to Christ. So when God had specifically pressed upon me to include none other than Jeremiah 29 11 in my card, I momentarily wrestled with God. I fought God on this. I just kept thinking, but Lord, if he reads this, He's going to think you're promising that his son is going to make it out of this surgery and everything is going to be okay. What if he doesn't make it, though? What if everything isn't okay? He'll never take you at your word then. He may even become more resistant to the gospel. But God kept pressing me to write those words. So I did. And that little boy is now seven years old. And while I've since fell out of touch with this friend, and I'm unsure of where his heart currently is with God, I believe that verse spoke hope into their anxious souls. And I pray those words planted the seed for them to see that God wasn't just desiring to deliver their son from his heart abnormality and give him a future on this earth, but to see the bigger picture within the story that ultimately God longs for them to accept his invitation of eternal hope and forever future through his son, Jesus. I wanted to be sure to share this story because I wanted to note that while cultural and historical context is important and we need to consider it as we interpret the word, we also need to remind ourselves not to fall on the opposite extreme and place God in a box. He can choose to use a verse to speak directly into our lives or to move us to share a verse with someone else that he's been pursuing. But keep in mind that while you're reading that one verse, that one passage, that one chapter, that one book, all the pieces fit together to tell of God's grand story. The Bible is the most beautiful and life-transforming story ever written where the author of our faith writes to us of his unwavering covenant and character throughout the pages. Scripture reads as a complete story. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the narrative of the almighty God we serve. And an amazing story it is, and what an amazing God he is. Now, As I mentioned in part one, I chose to discuss these culturally contrasting approaches to God's word Because at Encounter next Saturday, we will be challenged to read God's word from a Middle Eastern perspective that doesn't ask what biblical woman's story tells us about ourselves, but what their story tells us about who God is. Please join me, Dr. Tisha Carter, Robin Walters, and Bethany Bell, along with our amazing worship team as we come together to encounter God. Before I wrap up, I wanted to announce that this is the only podcast for the month of May. Beginning in June, a new episode will air each month on the first Friday of the month. So please click follow on whatever platform you use to stay updated. If you believe this message will bless someone, I'd love for you to share this with them as well. And as you enter into your quiet time with the Lord each day, after hearing these messages about comparing the Middle Eastern lens versus the Western lens, I hope you feel encouraged to remove your Western lenses, at least from time to time, and see God's word from a Middle Eastern perspective. I know for myself in this approach, I feel as though God's word became all the sweeter. And I pray that you also taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you for joining me today. Keep growing and God bless.